The text for this morning comes from the book of First Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. First Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Please listen carefully. This is the word of God. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Yes. All right. All right. This is actually the last sermon of, um, of our Advent series. And Advent um, really has a kind of dual meaning. It's, it, the word Advent literally means coming. And usually we focus on Jesus' first coming, and that is Christmas. But it also has the meaning of his second coming. We live in the light of anticipating his return. And it's not really a subject matter that many people think about too much. I, 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 don't, I don't know, as our, as our society is kind of drifting away from the Bible, and, you know, we tend to live in, 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 you know, you know, in very secular concerns, and our hearts and our minds are preoccupied with very this-worldly concerns. We don't tend to think, is, is this kind of a real thing? Um, you know, or if, if it is like, I'm a Christian and I really do believe that Jesus is going to return and, and make all things whole. And in some, occasionally, when you see something really like bad happening in the world, you can actually long for that. But for the most part, especially in a city like ours, we tend not to think about these things. And um, I think, especially for the first Sunday of the year, it's very good and appropriate that we remember the tremendous relevance of that truth, the very tremendous relevance that there is a real Lord and he is going to come back and he's going to break back into history and history will actually come to an end and that is a supremely relevant thing that's going on in our life. And what it says right here in the passage is that it's going to happen 
very unexpectedly, very suddenly, like a thief in the night. That's the way, that's the way it's put it. And that's the way Jesus also teaches it. And I decided to preach it from here because there's, a, there's a certain themes in here that I, I, I thought it would be good for us to uh, wrestle with. Um, but just as I get into this, I just want to just say a little something about this. Like a thief in the night. Does any of you ever go to bed at night expecting to see a thief is going to break into your house? Is that what you, does anybody think about that? Anybody expect that uh, there's going to be some incredible interruption into the middle of your night? And when someone's going to break into your house, I mean, if you've ever had your house broken into, I mean, you know, this happened to uh, Pastor Young and Christy um, not too long ago. And it was a really, it was, a, it was an unbelievably shocking, is it an unbelievably shocking and interrupting um, portion of their life. And, um, but it's a strange, it's a strange picture that Jesus is going to enter back in like a thief. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a comparing himself to something really, quite frankly, it seems like terrible. And maybe to a lot of us, it will feel terrible. Um, but just to wrestle for a moment, nobody ever expects this event to occur. And yet, it's going to occur. And it's going to occur in maybe a very stunning and shocking way when nobody's expecting it. And so today is a reminder, and I, I, I know I'm really kind of like preaching uphill here. Um, nobody thinks this way. I, I, I don't either. I mean, I'm, and I'm the, I'm the professional Christian that's supposed to think this way, right? But I don't either. And I want us to wrestle with how the Bible teaches us to live in light of this truth. And it's especially something really important as we think about a whole new year. Because it's not just something you're going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to pick, pick up some knowledge today at church, and then like it'll sort of kind of like sit back there floating around like almost like some irrelevant piece of like head knowledge, but doesn't actually impact my daily life. How can we live in such a way that we live in, as this passage talks about, in the light, not in the darkness? If you live in such a way that you don't actually realize and understand that Jesus is going to come back, and it could happen very suddenly, and it will actually happen very suddenly and unexpectedly, then you're actually asleep in the darkness. That's the way the passage puts it. So you're walking around in your life, but actually the Bible says you're asleep. And even worse, you could be drunk. You're drunken because that's how people live. That's how people are at night. They're either asleep or they're drunk. And so you could be wandering through your life in the dark, or a drunk, or drunken, not actually in the light of the way truth actually, the, what's really real. So that's what I want us to wrestle with in this passage. So part one, stewarding time and gifts for the Lord's approval and honor. Stewarding time and gifts for the Lord's approval and honor. But when I say honor, I don't mean honoring him, which is, of course, we are trying to honor him, but I'm talking about receiving honor. Stewarding time and gifts because there's an approval that we seek and then an honor we long to receive. Right? I'm talking about the honor he gives. Part two, living in the light versus asleep or drunk in darkness. Let's talk a little bit about that. Okay? Living in the light or asleep or drunken in darkness as the passage talks about. And then part three, I want to leave us with a really good word. Um, Living in the long grace and forgiveness of the gospel. Right? It's again and again, it's always about living in the gospel. 
Not just believing the gospel as a fact, but living in it. Really, it's like it's, the gospel fills up your life. And there's a really long grace and forgiveness for us to be living in, to be longing for Jesus to return. Okay, so let's talk about part one, um, stewarding time and gifts for the Lord's approval and honor. Um, so there's a drama that's being kind of taught in, these, in this passage that most of us don't really think about. And the drama is something like this. In your life, there's some realm of something that's really important, and I'm going to call it the realm of glory. <laughs> and in the realm of glory, you, want, you, want, you serve it, you want to be a part of it, and then there's going to be a point at which someone, someone who is the keeper of the glory, <laughs> someone who really is like a master, let's call it a lord, small l, small l lord, a lord of the glory, they get to pronounce upon you, they get to show up and say, this is how you operated inside of our glory, and they get to pronounce upon you, oh, you're really good. Or, what the heck are you doing? You're no good, and we're going to cut you. Um. This is going on in your life. This is a drama that's happening inside your life, and it's happening all the time. And this is, this is what the Bible is talking about here, except it's not, it's not a glory with a small g. We're talking about the biggest glory there is. So just to give you an example of, um, so this is the time of the year. I don't know if you guys noticed this, about, but like just, there was just news just recently that the, um, the Golden Globe Awards just happened, right? Are you guys movie fans? I'm a huge movie fan. And, uh, you know, Christmas just passed, and a lot of, like, important movies are released during the Christmas season because Christmas and the summer are when, when, all, the, you know, when all the big money-making movies happen, right? And then, so right now there's the Golden Globe Awards, and not too long from now there's going to be the Academy Awards. What's the Academy Awards? So there's all these people who are part of the filmmaking, storytelling industry, uh, you know, the, uh, of movies. And it's an unbelievably important art. That's the glory, the glory is telling stories through movies. Some are actors, some are, you know, uh, you know costume designers, some, they, they compose the music, and of course there's the directors and, and the producers, etc. And then what there is, is there's going to be a word pronounced upon them. So they have this night, and all, there's all the people that are participants in that glory. They want to be a part of that glory. They want to receive. There's something glorious and beautiful about this whole realm. And then the, and then the people that are really the gatekeepers of that glory get to say, you, oh, you are so good. We give you this award. Hmm. That's what it's about. Hmm. That's what it's about. There's a little statue. And the statue, I mean, like, it's not really that important, quite frankly. I mean, they could, they, it, it, could, it could be, I don't know, they could like have made some little stick back there. But if everybody believes in that glory and that stick becomes the symbol of that glory, oh, you, you got to get that statue. You got to get that statue. Because you know what that statue says? You lived inside of our glory. You were worthy. <laughs> oh, you were worthy. And we honor you. That's what it's about. Um, I'll use a different example for, for those of you who, who care about other things. Uh, this is one matters to me. Um, I, I'm a sports fan. So, you know, the football season just ended. 
And yesterday, I was doing the thing I like to do at this time of year, which is watching playoff football. And my team won, so it was an especially good day, right? But um, there's this other thing that's happening. And so if you're like me, you, you go to like ESPN or Sports Illustrated web, um, website on a regular basis. And the discussion that's starting to happen now is who deserves the MVP award? <laughs> who is the best coach of this year? Who's the best defensive player of this year? And that's the same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. So just, just let me just stop for a moment here. Um, in this life, especially in this city, this, this completely absurdly expensive, like stressful city, <laughs> where even just basic things like where you live is, is hard, okay? And so it's very, very easy to get preoccupied with things like how much money do I make? And do I, can I, where, where do I live? And then can I afford my house? And then am I, am I building up enough for retirement? And then you begin to think that every day in your life, you wake up to make money, to eat, to buy clothes, to have comfort, and then, like, and then of course, to have just certain entertainments. And so in our city, we're very preoccupied with making money, doing well in our, in our career so that we make more money. And then as we make more money, then we can afford that Really expensive house, even though it's, not, it's kind of a dumpy house. I mean, that's kind of what it's like in our city, right? It's like, oh, my goodness. It's like, okay, I got to get into that house. And then yeah, anywhere else, people in the country are like, that house sucks. But, but, but it costs a million dollars. So I, I, I got to make more money to get into this house. So that, that's what it's like. And then while we're not stressed out trying to make more money to have security, then we have to have some entertainment, so we're going to eat little food here. And then for those of you, you know, who have a little bit more money, you have better pieces of entertainment, you can go, you, you know, you can go to Hawaii, right? Uh, you know, my, my wife and I, you know, we, we just take, you know, just like, you know, cheap trips to like L.A. or something like that, okay? But we all have to have a little piece of entertainment. Or maybe it's TV or, or maybe it's Netflix or whatever it is. And that's largely the preoccupations of our life. But actually... If you really think about your life, if you really, really think about, and especially for those of you guys who are young, I, I really want to press, challenge you to think about this, okay? I really want to challenge you to think about this. If you can get this when you're younger, oh my goodness, you are just like, you are like an advanced human being, okay? <laughs> All right? um, if you can get this when you're younger, what really matters in life is that you give yourself to something worthy, something glorious. There's a realm of glory. Because... If you, let's just say, um, I don't know, uh, if you have a job, and let's say you find this little job, and somehow you could buy low and sell high. You don't even care what the product it is. But every time you buy low and sell, you accumulate more money, but like you don't produce anything good for the society. You're just really just good at like doing this transaction. Okay? You don't bless anybody. There's no beauty. That's all it is. It's just sort of like, a, uh, you're, you're just very good at this transaction, but it makes you money. You know, if you keep doing that again and again and again and again and again, you'll have money, but you'll be empty. You'll have money, but you'll be empty. But if you actually give to the glory, and then the glory, you enjoy the glory, and then there's a point at which the people who really know what it's about, well, they will say to you, wow, you made a difference. You matter. And you gave the world this beautiful thing. 
and I know it. You won't care about everybody saying it. I mean, just the you know, Joe Blow on the street. Hey, you know, like these guys call up these sports fans. So, oh, this guy deserves the MVP award. I don't care what that guy thinks. <laughs> He's just some dude on the radio, and half the people that call into the radio honestly aren't very smart, and they just are like, you know, just mouthing off. But occasionally there's somebody who really knows. And when they say, we approve you, we honor you, you know what that does? To the person who knows that this, was the, this realm of glory is the meaning of my life. It's the measure of my worth. And when those people approve you, your heart will overflow. That's life. This is really life. <laughs> this is life. <laughs> it's not about money. So it says here in the passage, oh, you know, um, it says here, this is how, how, how we put it here. While people are saying, this is verse 3, there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. So everybody wants peace and security. More money, more entertainments, and I just feel really, you know, I, I, I have a lot of peace and security because that's, that's what we all think. But if that's how you look at your life, you're, you don't understand sudden destruction is going to come upon you, and you, the, your, look at, your life is actually very shallow. It's actually very shallow. I'm not trying to say it in a mean way. It's very, it is shallow. It's objectively, it is really shallow. Because the meaning of your life has to be something more. And so it's true. The guy who just makes money just to make money versus the person who actually contributes into the art of movie making and tells a really great and important movie, that person's life is more meaningful than the person who just accumulated money, right? Of course. I'm not saying anything that's not, I'm, I'm not even talking as a Christian. I'm just talking as a human being. So if, you're, if you don't even believe in Jesus, that's true. Isn't that true? And football may be not the most important thing in the world, but to those people who know the beauty of sports and competition, it, it matters. It's something beautiful. I think it's beautiful. I, I don't know. Maybe some of you, my wife doesn't think it's that beautiful, okay? But, but, but I think it's really beautiful, okay? My, my daughters think it's really boring, but my son and I care a great deal, because that's the beauty that we get, right? Now, this is the drama that's happening here. There's going to be a day when there is the keeper of the glory, and his opinion is not an opinion. <laughs> it's infallible. And the glory is not football or movies. It's life. And the glory by which you will be judged is his glory, his beauty. So take something like the MVP award decision and then just like ramp that up to like infinite intensity. <laughs> That's what we're talking about here. <laughs> and so when this person pronounces upon you, oh, I approve you. The way you lived your life was worthy. It goes the other way, too, because, you know, you're, you're trying to make it onto the football team, and they'll say, you're not good enough, and then there's this, there's this thing called, they, they cut you. And my, 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 my son is going through this right now, because, and I'm going through this with him, because he, he writes these essays for college applications, and then I have to read them, and then some of you young guys know what that's like, right? And so, then, then a letter shows up, and well, today it's not a letter, it's actually an email. An email shows up, and they tell you, we approve you, join our team, or we cut you. You're, we don't think, sorry, we think 
we, I know, thanks for applying, okay? Except in life, this is a, this, this is a big one. And it's like, there's, it's, it's not college, <laughs> okay? So, do I have your attention? <laughs> I sure hope I got your attention. Um, I want to say a couple things about this. Uh, we're looking for his honor and approval. We fear is disapproval. You should, if you don't have any fear of that, you're crazy. You are completely nuts. If you don't fear, if, you know, there's somebody in your life. Like, it could be like, um, like uh, my wife. My wife is one of the Lord's who can tell me if I'm a good husband. And if she once tells me, you're a horrible husband, that, that's, that's, that's a horrible bad day for me, I'm telling you. But, you know, after let's, you know, we've been married 21 years, and if she says to me, oh, you're such a good husband, I'm telling you, that's a really good day. <laughs> that's a really good day. She has a right, and I should fear her I cut you. You suck. <laughs> Can we cut you from the team? You're a bad husband, okay, from the marriage team. All right, I want to cut you. Or, no, let, let, let's, let me give you the MVP award, most valuable player. <laughs> All right, that's, that's, that's an incredible thing. Just imagine if it's only the most important person. Um, I want to I wanna just say one more point about this so I go to part two. All right. Uh, most of us don't think about the return of Jesus to like the final return of all things. So the, the day, the, it says here, we're talking about the day of the Lord. We're talking about the day, capital D, of the Lord. The big, the big, this is like the biggest day there is. Okay, I mean, this is a huge day. So, uh, you know, if you have like, there, there, I, I went, my, my, when my son was going to get like, you know, um, whether he's going to accept it or reject it from a college, that was, that was an important day. I had that marked on my calendar. But this is a really big day. But maybe most of us can't really think about it. We've never seen it, never experienced it. It's really, but there's a second way that the Bible also uses this word, and it's, a, it's an interesting plan. The Bible often kind of gives you meaning at two levels like this. this like, there is a day of the Lord, not so much for all of history, but for you. <laughs> Just for you. And that is the day your life is over. <laughs> and it could come like a thief in the night. So m- many of us, I'm healthy. We live in the prosperous city. You know, we just, we have people like coming from the other side of the country going like, no snow, awesome, right? It, it's great. It's such a comfortable city, right? And nobody thinks, Oh, uh, you know, my life, you all, you know, especially young guys, you all think you're going to live to like 92 or something like that, right? Um, I'm past halftime, <laughs> so I feel this. I feel this. So there's a part of me that thinks, and I meet people of cancer. Um, one of the pastors in our own denomination who's planting a church, the guy might not make it past January. He's younger than me. I think he's like 43. Um, that's, that's real. Unless If he doesn't have a miracle, he's not going to make it probably in the next, past the next couple months. Right. But so 
the, the, the stewardship you have, the most important stewardship, the most valuable thing you have in your life are your days, your time. You can always make more money, but you can never get your days and your time back. You can never get your days. Nobody can buy more time. And some of you, you may have a lot less than you think. Nobody knows exactly how much you got. Your day of the Lord could come like a thief in the night. It could be next week. It could be this year. This might be your last year. How would you like to have lived your last year? And the way you live your last year, and then you're going to go meet the Lord who's going to pronounce judgment. Great job with the time and the gifts I gave you. Or, what the heck were you doing? <laughs> he may so have mercy on you and forgave you because you were saved in Jesus, but you're going to sit there and you're like, Man, I, I lived my life stupid. That last year was really, the last several years was really bad. <laughs> so that's the question I ask you. So you shouldn't assume I got a lot of time to go live in a good way tomorrow, next year, a long time from now. Don't assume that. That's really dumb. That's the way it says. Don't do that. Your day of the Lord could come soon. Very unexpectedly. All right, so let's go to part two. Um, I want to ask you this question. Are you asleep in the dark? Or are you awake in the light? Or even worse, are you drunk? So what do I think that, that means? I'm going to give you uh, the definition of sin that I, I, I've, some of you, this really rings your bell, and, um, and, um, which is from Martin Luther. Martin Luther's understanding of sin is he calls it the incurvatus of the soul. That when human beings fell, that their soul constantly curved in on themselves instead of like looking to the glorious one and all his glories and enjoying his glory and and being servants of it. And then their life would become rich and meaningful and then being honored by him. That's, that's, that's the way we're supposed to be. Our hearts are supposed to be full and open, and you, you look to, but instead our, our, our lives are constantly like this. And so here's how Incarvatus actually works. Constantly, you're your own, you're the, there's like people today who say, I don't have to listen to anybody else. I tell myself that my life has worth or not. That's crazy. Nobody can bless their own life like that. You cannot self-approve your own life. You cannot honor yourself. Somebody bigger than you, who is the keeper of the glory, only they can tell you if your life is truly to be approved and honored. So, so, we, go, so we go, oh, I resent that person who can tell me my life. It's like, so I'm just going to cut them out of life, and only my opinion is going to matter. That's just incurvatus of the soul. That's happening in our society all the time. So like, they don't like the outside standards. But if you don't have any outside standards, you're, 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 you're living in the incurvatus. You're living in a little prison. You're living in the darkness. So then people go, oh, if I just make enough money and if I have power and I could control everything and nobody can tell me what to do, then, hey, then my life is good. No, you're not. You're living in the darkness. And some of the people say, hey, I made money, I, I did this stuff, and now I've been successful enough to listen to anybody. Now you're drunk. <laughs> You found out something in, your, in, in the world that you think that can kind of like fill this yourself up, but it inebriates you. 
You can't walk properly. You can't see properly. You cannot perceive properly. And it's usually, I achieved this, I made this, and now I'm so filled with pride, and now I don't have to listen to anybody. And now money and comfort, this is all that's going to be. You're drunk. And you're in the dark. And there's a lot of people like that. There's a lot of people like that. And a lot of us, we fall into that, right? We have to fight this. <laughs> but it's very interesting. It says, those of us who live in the light. And so it says, but you are not in darkness. This is verse 4, brothers. For that day to surprise you like these. For you are children of the light. But then it goes on to say, those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let's be sober. Let's have clarity of mind. And then it's very interesting. It teaches you how to be sober. So how do you live in the light? So it says, you put on, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. You put on a breastplate. It's really interesting. If you're in the darkness, this is my understanding of this metaphor. If you're in the darkness, you got no breastplate. If you're in the darkness, if you're drunk, you got no helmet. You know what that means? That means real life is dangerous. You have to have, you have, to have protection. You have to have helmet. You don't have a helmet, you're going to walk into real life, into the dark, and you're going to get killed. You're going to get killed. What's the real danger? There's the dangers of the world, but actually the biggest danger is to find out at the end of your life, your life is, is kind of worthless. And you have God's wrath. A fearful thing. But instead, it says, put on a breastplate of faith and love and a helmet of salvation. Um, you're like, oh, I'll be a good Christian. <laughs> That's what some of you guys are thinking. No, no, no. You have to have you have to believe that this is the real life. And inside that, the belief isn't just some kind of like cognitive piece of knowledge and doctrine. It's lived out in love. It's lived out. You're living in the salvation. Um, I want to give you four, uh, just I want to give you four potential applications to live in the light. I'm going to give you four quick, and I'm going to just go briefly over each one. I'm not asking you to do all of them. <laughs> Maybe for 2019, you just pick one. Maybe you could just hear it. And as we, we're going to go to the table of the Lord today, and we're going to wrestle with this thing. And I don't know what's going on in your heart and where you are at this time in your life. But maybe at, some, at this time in your life, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you of one of these four applications. And maybe 2019, this is something for you to pursue over the long haul of 2019. Hearing me? Right? So let me quickly, well, number one, just first repentance. <laughs> so you're living in secular darkness. And it's always about your money and your this and the pursuits of this. But Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then you get all this other stuff. And then you, and you know what? And then these things will be added to, you know what he means by these things? Your money and your food and all those other things. That's what he's talking about. Huh? So maybe first is repentance. And maybe for this year, what you, you'll, you're going to need a regular gut check. So you'll need help. Maybe in your small group. Maybe to your spouse, maybe to your close brother and sister, you will say, you know what? I'm always constantly 
it's always about me and money and entertainment. I just get lost in entertainment and just floating through life. I'm in the dark. I know I'm often in the dark. And maybe I'm, I'm just drunk with like worldly ambitions and these kinds of things. Can you, this year, once a month, take me out to lunch or pull me aside and say, hey, are you living in the light? Are you drunk in the dark? Where are your priorities? Is there some way in your life that you've carved out living for his glory? <laughs> so first one, just repentance. Maybe that, 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 might, be, that, might, be, that might be big enough. For a lot of us, right? That might be big enough for a lot. Not living in fear constantly. I gotta buy that house. Not living in like constant, like, uh, oh, I gotta uh, perform better at work, get a better job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Make my kids all perfect. Just maybe, maybe we just need to just drop off that and live in the gospel, in his grace, and live in his patterns. When to work, when to rest, when to trust. Um, so number one, just repentance of worldly darkness. Number two, maybe there's somebody in your life um, you need to reconcile with. There's an important relationship. Somebody hurt you. How about forgiveness? You failed your Lord, but he forgave you. And thus he loved you. Maybe there's somebody in your life, there's a Profound brokenness. Maybe you can't even forgive that person. What that person did to you was so painful. You can't, certainly you can't forgive them in one shot. Maybe it's the forgive, being able to forgive them is such a big thing that it's going to have to be broken down bit by bit. And maybe just the first way you can do it is just by praying, help me to forgive this person, Lord. My heart is so hurt and so hard, I, I can't forgive this person. But I want to live with the breastplate of love and faith that in you I can do the impossible thing and forgive this person because you did the impossible thing to forgive me. See, we live in the gospel. Put on the breastplate of love. So maybe there's some piece, important piece of reconciliation. And maybe it's not going to happen overnight. Maybe it's going to be something you've got to build up to. And then finally give this person a call in like the summer, <laughs> right? I don't know. Maybe. So first one, repenting of worldly darkness. Number two, put on the breastplate of love, forgiveness, reconciliation. Number three, maybe some piece of justice, mercy. Everybody in this city is chasing after riches and security. There's lots of people in this city beaten down and being screwed over by the powerful, and they've, the bottom has dropped out in their life. And if it was you, wouldn't you want somebody to offer you a breastplate of love and faith and offer a helmet of salvation so they don't die in the darkness? So maybe a piece of justice or mercy. Something for you to pick up. You're like, this year, three times this year, I'm going to engage some piece of mercy in our city. Maybe. Because I don't want just to be in the darkness. Maybe that would be something you hear the Lord telling you. 
And a fourth one, and this one, of course, you can, of course, this, you can, you know, I'm going to just, um, you know, this is, we're doing a new church. And what's the church for? The shine, the light, and the darkness. To offer breastplates of love and faith and helmets so people don't die. You know, a helmet. If you get it in the head and you got no helmet, you're dead. <laughs> a helmet of salvation which can only come from one place, Jesus. That's what the church is. It is a place we pass out breastplates (laughs) to a lot of naked, dying, drunken people in the darkness. And it's a great place. You just imagine if you live, have you gone to a city where there's no hospital? (laughs) You ever been in a city where there's no hospital? I've never been in a city where there's no hospital. If there's no hospital in the city, I ain't moving there. (laughs) Okay? You know what the church is? It's better than that. It's better than that. And you know what new churches are? Oh, new churches are like some of the most beautiful hospitals for the dying in the dark. I want to close with a story. Um, Part three, I said, living in the long grace and forgiveness of the gospel. It's a long grace. It is a long grace. And the forgiveness is much bigger than you ever thought. Under Jesus, you're always living under forgiveness. You know that? <laughs> we're failing. We're in the dark. We're drunk with our worldly pursuits all the time. And he's forgiving us all the time. <laughs> and then he's gracing us. He's like, come on. I'll offer you a little more glory. I'll give you chances to be in my glory. Come on. I'm going to offer you. Step into my glory. And I'll fill your heart up on that day. Tell you the story. Um, it's a bit of a sensitive story, so I, I won't give you this person's name because um, this person lives in the city and might end up at, might visit our church. Who knows, right? But it's a sensitive story. Um, I, uh, I I had um, I, I had a, I had a meeting with an older brother in the Lord, someone I've known a long time. This is a person who's um, lived in Silicon Valley a long time. Very very successful person. So we're in a church planting mode, and um, I needed a favor of something that. And I thought of, like, who am I going to think about? Like, who could possibly help me with this thing? And I thought of this person. So I'll just call, I'll just call his name George. George is Korean-American. Um, George is an older, older man. He's, let's say, a generation older than me, right? Uh, fluently bilingual. Uh, very, very sharp. Um, he's a Christian, right? When he was a young man, he tried multiple businesses, most of them didn't do very well. But somewhere in his 30s, he got into an industry where his personality and his talents, his bilingual, his, he's, just, he's really savvy at reading people. And he's really good at the art of the deal. And um, he never went to college, right? You know, came out of Korea you know, during a time of poverty, never went to college really sharp and savvy. And he entered into an industry where all his talents and then the way the economy was working at this time in Silicon Valley, it all just kind of like, and then he just started making serious money. Boom, boom. He'd do a deal, boom. He'd make, boom. He'd just do deals and he'd start making money. I remember he, uh, he was one of the early adopters to um, the, the, today we call them cell phones, but they didn't call them cell phones back then because they were brick phones. <laughs> so like the phone, the phone was like this big, and it had a wire to like a briefcase. 
And I remember he had one. Literally, I knew nobody else who actually owned one of these things that actually used it. And occasionally he'd go, hey, I, I got to go. And then he would step outside and pull out his brick <laughs> to take a call in the middle of, you know, of, uh, of hanging out because he was going to pull out a deal that was going to make some serious money. Sounds really cool, doesn't it? It's like all the kind of stuff like, you know, like today, you know, who needs a brick? You know, we have like, get an iPhone or whatever, right? He's an iPhone guy now, <laughs> right? Um, but, and so before that, he would, you know, he was faithful to church, good family man, always came, you know, always went on all his family gatherings, extended family stuff, church retreats, and all this stuff. So he believes in Jesus, he doesn't have doubts about the Bible, but he's just, he's preoccupied. You get it? He's worldly. He's a worldly Christian. He didn't know it, but according to this passage, he's in the dark. And then when he started making the money, he was getting drunk <laughs> with the money and the success. And you know how I know that? Because his marriage started to slide. <laughs> so he had a couple kids. And before that, pretty good father, not super like lovey-dovey father, but always faithful, right? He has a certain strictness, but for the most part, um, is pretty loose. He's funny. He has a really good sense of humor, right? But then he started spending all his time at the work, making a lot of money. And he started getting fun. And people started telling him how awesome he was. And he liked it. And there was one person in his life who was telling him he wasn't so awesome, and that was his wife. <laughs> and he didn't want to hear that. Because everybody else in his life was telling him how great he was and how smart he was and how talented he was. And they're so grateful because he makes them lots of money. So then he goes, you're awesome. Oh, my gosh, you made me a lot of money. And then he makes a lot of money. And then they're like, and then, then you know, they wine and dine each other. And that's what it was like, the club of the successful. But the wife was like, what, what, you're not home. What is this? You're not being a good father. And, um, and then guess what? Uh, another woman came into his life in his work world. And... He and his wife just started fighting, fighting, fighting more and more and more. And then there's other woman, and he kind of ended up hanging out with her. And you can see where this goes. It led to a pretty painful divorce. And the divorce proceedings lasted many, many years. He, he told this to me recently. <laughs> so while I'm hanging out with his brother that I'm, like, I'm asking for help with, we, we kind of got into this conversation, and then all of a sudden it shifted into his personal life, and he started telling me about this. I mean, he's like really transparent to me. He just started telling me all this stuff. But um, so then he went through a really painful divorce, and then he kind of ended up with this other woman, and then he wanted to marry her, but the divorce just lingered, 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 and so he never got to marry her, and then they never ended up bothering to get married. And then his, uh, you know, his children grew up, and one of them had, you know, got married, and then. You know, I had a child, and he just adores his grandchild. And now he's an older man. He has his money. He has all his stuff. But you know what he spends a lot of his time doing now? He's at church. <laughs> the money's boring. But the things of the breastplate of love and faith and the helmet of salvation, it's really exciting to him. The guy gets up super early for prayer every single day. He never did this as a younger man. Right? He reads his Bible all the time. And, and when I, I, I asked him for this favor, I knew he was going to say yes. 
I totally knew he was going to say yes and then go the extra mile for me. Because in the last several number of years, I just realized like somehow the worldliness was getting boring, but Jesus was getting very exciting. And he just sticks himself out there for projects that will never give him any money, never give him any fame, no nothing, but he knows it's worthy. Serves the glory. But he told me this thing recently. He shocked me, actually. He shocked me because he told me that he broke up with his girlfriend last year. And that as he started spending more and more time with his um, grandchild, because now you have to kind of have a relationship with your ex-wife because his, your ex-wife is the grandmother. <laughs> so when you get a divorce, one of the important pieces of uh, uh, advice they give you is try to have a friendship with your ex-spouse, please, for the sake of your kids. Except he never learned this until... His grandchild was born. <laughs> and then, over time, he started to listen to her in ways he never listened to her before. <laughs> and he started telling me, I, I just couldn't see it, and I couldn't hear it. And he started repenting. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> he broke up with his girlfriend last year. I'm not sure if he left her or she left him. I'm not quite sure. I, mean, I didn't want to probe that. And he's going back to his ex-wife. <laughs> I don't know if they're going to get married, but he says, yeah, we're going to be together for the rest of our life. All in Christ. She's uh, been hurting. She's been in church all her life praying. All I know is she probably prayed for a reconciliation. And it's happening. I found this out a couple weeks ago. I remember sitting there, and I thought we were talking about my church. And all of a sudden, we're talking about something that just completely flabbergasted me. And I almost started crying right there in the room. There's a long grace and a long forgiveness from Jesus. He came into the darkness. So all our drunkenness and all our foolish idolatries could be forgiven through his blood. He'll never, forget, he'll never forget you. He'll never give up on you. It's never too late to repent and to live in his grace. So 2019, you don't have to wait till you <laughs> have grandchildren. <laughs> All right? You don't have to wait till you have grandchildren. Um, let's live it in it today. All right, let's pray. Let's go to the table of the Lord. Dear Jesus, we fear you, but we long for your approval. In fact, your approval, if you will honor us, that is the only way our hearts can overflow. But we're going to come to the table now, and we come as sinners. We come as people we're used to living in the dark. I think maybe we want to live in the dark. We like being drunken with pride in our own success, even though we're blind and we don't realize literally 10 years from now or 20 years from now, these things won't matter. Certainly in eternity. That nice house in the suburbs isn't going to matter. <laughs> 
that um, you know, huge portfolio that's going to give us that great retirement, which we might never even get to, is not going to matter. But love is going to matter. Justice is going to matter. Our children are going to matter. Our friends are going to matter. My cousin, who I haven't spoken to, but we used to be best friends, it will really hurt in 10 years from now if we never speak to each other. When you care about love and reconciliation and forgiveness, this is what salvation is about. So may we start the year in humility, repentance, and living Not just believing like some bare fact in our head, but living in your grace, living in the gospel, living with your glory and for your glory. So one day when we see you and see your face, you will say, oh, I approve you. I honor you. And that approval, that honor that we've been seeking all our life We've been seeking all our life will finally be ours and we'll have the deepest joy we ever knew or ever can know. Have grace upon people. I'm sure there must be some guilty souls. There are people feeling with heavy hearts as they listen to this word today. But let them come up and receive grace and forgiveness from you, Lord Jesus. And then they could live gladly, willingly from their heart in repentance for your glory. In Jesus' name.